truly thankful this morning for this beautiful Lord's Day, the opportunity and privilege we have of assembling together with saints of God to worship God, praise His name, to have fellowship one with another. That song we've just sung, The Pearly White City. You've heard this preacher say it a thousand times, and I'll keep on saying it. Think about heaven every day of your life. Our lesson this morning is entitled Heart Disease and Its Cure. We'll be looking at several passages in the Old Testament and New Testament, both. If you will, uh, have your Bibles open. We're going to look at several passages in, in Psalms and Proverbs. And we'll give you those verses as we come to them. I'll give you the page numbers in the Old Testament also. But have your Bibles open in the Old Testament. Brother Carl, thank you for singing these songs today about heaven. The beautiful thought of living forever. I can't com- comprehend that. With God and the saints of all the ages, I can't quite comprehend that yet. But I want to see it. I want to be there. But to do that, I must make sure that my heart is right. The first sermon that Jesus preached that we have recorded, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, and you know the rest of it, for they shall see God. If there were no other verse in the Bible than that, it would remind me of how much I want to keep my heart right. Do the things that God wants me to do. Live my life to His honor and His glory so that I can live with Him forever. I want to start out this morning with some statistics from the United States Heart Association. Last year in America, 800,000 deaths were the result of coronary disease. That's one death every 40 seconds. That means every hour, 90 people in America die from coronary disease. It's the number one cause of death in America. 45% of all deaths are related to coronary disease. Again, these statistics from the Heart Association. More than cancer and Respiratory disease is combined, deaths from heart disease. The association gives us these risk factors for coronary disease. Number one, smoking. Number two, physical inactivity. Number three, nutrition. Number four, obesity. Number five, cholesterol. Number six, increase in blood pressure. These are the physical causes of heart disease. I want us in our lesson today to focus on spiritual heart disease. Today, and it always has been and always will be, a most prevalent problem in all the world. Turn to me, first of all, in the New Testament to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. The last chapter that Mark writes in the New Testament, I want you to look beginning in verse number 8, Mark 16, 8. Jesus was just risen from the dead. He told the disciples to be given this message. They went out quickly, verse number 8, and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And then when they had heard that he was alive 
had not and had not had been seen of her believed not. After that he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told unto the resident the residue, neither believed they them. Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them that had said he is risen from the dead. Jesus had told his disciples, I am going to rise from the dead on the third day. They had seen the miracles. They had seen Jesus. Surely they believed that. But you see, that concept was too hard for them to comprehend, even though they'd heard Jesus say it. And to his own disciples, Peter, James, and John, he condemned them for their hardness of heart. I want to start that way today by reminding us, therefore, that coronary disease spiritually afflicts everyone. Hardness of heart can come to all of us, and we must make sure that we guard against that, take all the precautions that we can so we will never be hardened in our hearts. In the Greek language, the word that we get heart the Greek word is cardia, K-A-R-D-I-A. We get our C-A-R-D-I-A, cardia, in cardiac diseases. There's another Greek word that's interesting too. When you see the expression there, hardness of heart, the Greek word for that is sclerocardia. Have you ever heard of arteriosclerosis? Hardening of the arteries? That's exactly where it comes from. Jesus is talking about their spiritual hearts being hardened just as if you had a lot of congestion in your heart and a lot of buildup in, in your arteries that congest the heart and the blood flow. It slows it down. It doesn't work properly. And Jesus uses that beautiful example, hardness of heart, to remind us that we need to search our hearts frequently. Be aware of what's going on in our hearts and make sure that we never accumulate that disease of hardness of the spiritual heart. Millions of surgeries are done every day in this country, every year, for people with heart disease. In our lesson today, I don't want to focus on physical heart disease. I want to focus on spiritual heart disease. Because you, that, that effect, you see that affects every human being who has ever lived. But let me say, first of all, in a very positive, optimistic way, Spiritual heart disease is treatable, and it is preventable, and it is curable. That's the message I want us to appreciate today. And there is a certain and sure way that we can know how to prevent this disease. Turn me to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. Look in verse number 29, Mark 12, 29. Here's the cure for heart disease. Disciples were talking about the law of Moses and what was the greatest commandment. Verse 29 of Mark chapter 12, And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God, how much? With all thy heart. 
with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. Salvation occurs when we decide that we will love God with every fiber of our being, all day, every day, regardless of what's going on in our lives. Good times and bad times, we will put God first in our lives. And that, my friends, is the only way that we can prevent spiritual heart disease. This morning, I want us to focus, first of all, upon the cause, if you're filling out your bulletin today. What is the cause of heart disease? C-A-U-S-E. Turn with it to James chapter 3. The cause of heart disease. James chapter 3, verse number 14, beginning. James says, But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth from above, descendeth not from above, but is earthly and sensual and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. How do we get strife in our hearts? Because of the words envy and strife. Those are the Greek words, the English translation of those words is selfishness and stubbornness. That's hardness of heart. Have you ever heard a kid say, I want to do it my way? If you're a parent, you've heard it a thousand times. <laughs> Have you ever said to yourself, I want to do it my way? It's one of the biggest problems I've got in my life. I want to do everything my way. My way is not always the right way. But you see, when we have this attitude of hardness of heart spiritually, that's going to lead us to stubbornness, discord, contention, problems in our lives, individually and interpersonally. Notice that James describes these things as devilish. They're not just kind of bad things. They're from the devil. When we begin thinking this way, it's not long before we're going to turn away from thinking about God to follow the ways of the world. And that's where the majority of people are today. They've taken God out of the picture. And our educational system and our political system is trying to do exactly the same every day. So it is incumbent upon us as Christians to keep Jesus, first of all, in our heart. So that we, cannot, we do not want to follow the, Lord, the world's way. We want to follow the Lord's way. Let's start making sure that we're turning our hearts toward God every day that we can. Now, point number two, let's focus our attention on how to cure heart disease, C-U-R-E, how we can cure heart disease. In our physical bodies with heart disease, we go to the cardiologist. He finds us a way to be cured. Sometimes it's meds, sometimes it's exercise, sometimes it's surgery, sometimes it's stents, diets. The doctor always says, let's get your heart back in good shape. I've heard him say that to me several times, and I'm thankful he's trying to do the very best he can at that. And I told the doctor, whatever you need to do, doc, go ahead and do it, because I want my coronary situation to be correct. Can I transplant that same thought to my spiritual heart? Turn me to James chapter 5, verse number 8. James chapter 5, verse number 8. 
This letter was written to Christians who were undergoing difficult problems and temptations and trials in the first century. People, the Roman Empire was trying to eliminate Christianity. And in his final chapter of them, he says, verse number 8, Be ye patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Get it settled in your heart what you're going to do. The Empire State Building was not built on a stack of mud. It was built on a foundation that's solid. It goes down hundreds of feet into the earth. So that building of more than 1,350 feet will not fall. It's established. It's fixed. James said, Christian, fix your heart on God's will and God's way. That is the only way that you can prevent your heart from tumbling over into sin. We understand that from the builder's standpoint, physically. We need to understand that from a spiritual standpoint. I must make sure that my heart is fixed. That means I don't want it to be moved from God's way of life. That's why he has given me this book. That's why I read this book. That's why I try to make application of this book in my heart every day. And those of us who have been Christians very long have seen our growth spiritually because our hearts have become settled in being God's child and following God's will in our life. That's the best medicine I can take for spiritual heart disease is God's word. The psalmist said in Psalm 119 verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart, stored up in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. I take my 16 pills religiously every day. I never miss a dose. Because the doctor said I need those. And I'm willing to accept that. I have faith in what he's doing. Why would I want to question God? Why would I want to change God? Well, God, I think we can do it this way or that way. You trust in God with all of your heart. And you treasure that up in your heart and you live it that way. Therefore, I know I can make practical use of God's word in my life every day. Point A in our lesson about curing heart disease. I will trust God. T-R-U-S-T. Turn with me your Bibles in the Old Testament to Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 5. If you're using a pew Bible, they'll be page 536 in the Old Testament. Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 5. Page 536 in the pew Bible, Old Testament. The wisest man who ever lived, with the exception of Jesus, given that wisdom by God, Solomon said, 3, 5 of Proverbs, Trust in the Lord with, underline the next three words if you mark in your Bible, all thy heart. Lean not on thine own understanding. If you want to know what lean not on thine own understanding is, think of it this way. Somebody tells you something and you say, well, I think, blah, blah, blah. Is that not what the world is doing religiously today? This says trust in God with all your heart, but I think, my preacher says, my church says, how about what God says? Give your entire being over to God. All your heart. Look with me in 
Psalm 119, verse number 2. Psalm 119, verse number 2, that's on page 523 in the Pew Bible. Psalm 119, verse number 2. Blessed are they which keep his testimonies, his word, and that seek him with the whole heart. That tells me that I must remind myself frequently that 90% Christianity is not sufficient for me. I realize that can't be perfect, nor can you. But my strive, my goal, is to trust in God with the entirety of my being. That's what the psalmist wants us to understand here and appreciate that. Because we trust in God completely, then we always know what is right. And when we always know what is right, we also always know what is wrong. It's not that difficult, is it? Two plus two equals four. I know that three is the wrong answer. I know that five is the wrong answer. I know that any answer other than four is the wrong answer. I need to make that same mathematical application to the Word of God in my life because God's Word is never wrong. And therefore, I can trust God completely and have confidence in His Word. Therefore, with that amount of confidence... I can dedicate my whole entire life to living for Him and doing His will. Sometimes we sing the song, Trust and Obey. He goes on to say, For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. All of us who have been Christians very long realize from time to time we mess up. We transgress the will of God. And immediately we recognize that was wrong. I should not have done that. I should not have thought that. I should not have said that. And I go to God in prayer asking Him, please to forgive me because I transgressed His will. When I transgress the will of God, literally I'm saying, God, I don't trust Your will. You see, that's producing the hardness of heart that so many people have today. But when we trust God with all of our hearts, that leads us to a mindset of peace and contentment, joy and happiness and optimism. That gives us the ability to think about heaven every day and look forward to going to heaven every day. Point B in this heart disease problem. Keep your heart pure. P-U-R-E. You know that verse in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Jesus, Jesus said, as we talked about, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Turn me to Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 23. I'll be on page 537 in your old Bible. Pew Bible. Proverbs 4.23. My challenge is to keep my heart pure. All of us who've had children realize you tell that two or three year old boy, don't go out of the yard. It's not going to be long before he's trying to get out of the yard, is it? That's the way he is. He wants to do it for himself. 
You've told him, stay in the yard. Which word did you misunderstand? Oh, he understood it all. But he's got a mind of his own. I need to keep my heart pure. Ivory Snow's 99.44, pure is not completely pure, is it? I know that I cannot make my heart completely pure. But I will strive to do my best every day to be, have purity of heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Notice, for out of it are the issues of life. I make the decisions and choices that I make every day from my heart. I think it through and then decide what I'm going to do. Isn't it wonderful to know that I have got God's Word to show me the right way every time? God's Word shows me the right answer in every circumstance and situation that I may face. And so my challenge is to understand that and appreciate that and follow it. Those of you who are on medicines, those of you who are on cardiac programs, you follow your cardiologist rules precisely, don't you, as best you can. Because you know that he's trying his best to cure your physical heart problem. The same is true with the purity of God's word. He's trying his best so that I can do my best to be right with him. This world today is full of situations that are horrible. Selfishness and skepticism. Fear and doubt. The number of atheists is growing rapidly. The, people, the number of people who believe in God is decreasing rapidly. Satan's impurity is drowning the entire world. I as a child of God, you as a child of God, must challenge ourselves daily to strive in our personal and individual lives to live lives of purity and holiness and God-likeness. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 12, that we are to live our lives as an example of purity. 1 Timothy 4, 12. Write that one down and remember it. Challenge yourself every day to be the purest person you can be. Point C in our curing of heart disease. I will worship God. W-O-R-S-H-I-P. I will worship God. Let's go over to the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 138, verse number 1. Psalm 138, verse 1. There David said, I will praise thee with my whole heart, all of it. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. There's a lot of fancy gods that the people made statues for out here. I'm not talking about them. I'll praise you in their presence even. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for the truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above thy name. Oh, do we get that perspective there? God has given His Word to be magnified above His name. 
We know that thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And we hear that garbage mouth all the time. But as a child of God, I understand that God's word in my heart is more important than even saying his name. Because when God's word is in my heart, I am living the way God wants me to live. How wonderful that is. Therefore, we can live a life of purity and worshiping God. Turn back a few pages to Psalm chapter 86. It will be on page 50509 in the old Bible, in the Pew Bible. Psalm 86, verse number 12. Again, David said, I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart. And I will glorify thy name forevermore. David said, I want to worship God. Worship is more important than just going to church. It's more than going to church. I hate that phrase. I'm trying to get it out of my vocabulary. I've got to go to church. They want me to come Sunday night, Wednesday night, ladies' day, men's day, all these kind of things. I've got to go to church. That's like saying, I've got to go to work. I've got to go to the dentist. Nobody likes that. When we get our minds and heart right... What a joy it is to go to God's church. I'm not talking about the physical building. To being with God's people. Praising Him, worshiping, strengthening one another, being encouraged by one another. Loved by one another. That's why it's so wonderful. The word worship really means to kneel down before. It's not opening the songbook and singing the songs and closing your eyes while somebody prays. It's humbling yourself in the presence of the almighty creator of the universe. The one who can save your soul. When I come to recognize the vast difference between little old me as a human being in sin and the perfect magnificence of God, I will humble myself. I will make myself low. You don't walk into the king's office and say, Hey, Mr. King, how's it going today? Give me five. That's sacrilegious, isn't it? Going through the motions of going to church is just as sacrilegious. With our whole hearts, we will worship God. In my worship, publicly and privately, it's not a performance for God to show somebody how good a preacher I am, how good a singer I am, or how good at whatever I am. No, not that at all. When I worship God, I am recognizing in my own self my weaknesses, my frailties, my sins. Therefore, my need for God more than anything else in all this world. That's what worship is all about. And I know those of us who have been Christians many years, it's easy sometimes just to go through the motions. Let's eliminate that thought process from our minds. And come to enjoy and appreciate what worship to God is all about. I can humble myself in His presence. Thanking Him for His power and His love. And His desire for me to be saved so much that He sent His Son to the cross for my sins. I will continually all the days of my life 
to worship Him and show Him the love and respect for Him and His grace for me and His mercy and His love that is cast out, cast down upon me. Point number three now this morning. The result of doing these things. What is the result of this cure? Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse number 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. We live in a world that locks titles. We grade people by the titles. This is the president. This is the CEO. This is the owner. This is the boss. I submit to your thinking, ladies and gentlemen, there is no greater title in the world than you can hold than being a child of God. You can be a pauper. You can be not very famous. Unknown. You can even be tall, skinny, and ugly. Those physical things don't matter. What matters is, are you a child of God? That should be the most important thought in your life all the time. You see, God, my Father, is the giver of every good and perfect gift. He demonstrated that at Calvary's cross, sending His Son to die for my sins. Therefore, just as surely as Jesus dedicated His life for me, I therefore will dedicate my life back to Him. Will that mean being crucified on the cross someday? I don't know it could. If that day were to come, would I be willing like Jesus to walk to the cross in love and honesty and honor and dignity because I am a child of God. You know, those of us who've been around very long and worked very long, you're putting money away for the future, aren't you? You pay into Social Security, you pay into pension plans so that you can have physical security for the future. What can we do about Security for our spiritual futures. One last passage I want you to look at. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Again, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6, look in verse number 20. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You want to know the cure for heart disease? It's trusting in God with all of your heart. Leaning not on your own thoughts or ideas or concepts or impressions. It's turning your life over, your heart over to God's will. When you go in for heart surgery, they put you to sleep. You have no concept of what's going on. But you have turned your life over to that cardiologist and his team that's helping him. You do that in faith, don't you? You don't know that you're going to wake up or what the condition is going to be when you wake up. But you trust them to do what is right. Brothers and sisters and ladies and gentlemen, when I come to that degree of appreciation 
for spiritual heart disease. I will have turned my life completely over to God. God, it's in your hands. And I promise you with all my heart that I will follow your will every day that I live regardless of what's going on in this silly earth because I love you more than anything in this world and I want to live with you forever. That's what loving God with all of your heart is all about. And the beautiful part about it is this. If I'm willing to follow the will of God, I can know that I can be in heaven someday with the saints of all the ages because I followed His will. As we stand to sing the song of invitation today, look into your heart. Look into your heart. And you know the answer, but I want you to ask this question. Is my heart right with God? And again, you know the answer. More importantly, God knows the answer. If your heart is not right with God, you can follow the spiritual cardiologist message and be saved. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, repent of your sins. Confess that He is the Son of God. Meet His cleansing blood in that water grave of baptism, rising to walk in newness of life. Spiritual heart disease cured. Or maybe you've done those things in times past, but you've wandered away. God's still your God. He still loves you. He wants you to get right with Him. Repent of those sins. Confess them. We'll pray for your forgiveness. If it may assist you in doing that, let it be known by coming to the front together we stand and sing this song.